The Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I have commanded you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding steadfast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not soiled food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, 
You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our text is from Hebrews 9, verse 15, and verses 24 through 28. For this reason... Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, and those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one, He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Once for All, a Sermon on Forgiveness by Donald L. Defna. One of my favorite stories is about the young nun who claimed to have had a vision of Jesus. Her bishop decided to test her truthfulness and ordered that the next time she had a vision, 
she would ask Christ what the bishop's primary sin had been before he became a bishop. Some months later, the nun returned, and the bishop asked if she had asked Christ the question, to which she affirmed that she had. And what did he say? The bishop asked apprehensively. Christ said, and the nun paused a moment, he said, I don't remember. How would you like to have a God like that, who doesn't even remember your sins? Well, you do have such a God. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Let's put it another way. How would you like to have a clean slate? I mean, like you woke up this morning and everything, I mean absolutely everything you've done wrong in the past, was completely forgotten, over, done with. It would be quite unlike the circumstances of the man who made a fool of himself at a party. The next day, he felt complete remorse for his actions and begged his wife to forgive him. I do forgive you, she promised. But over the next few months, whenever something came up that displeased the wife, she would bring up the party incident. I thought you forgave me for that, protested the husband. Darling, I did forgive you, she replied. I just don't want you to forget that you forgave me. Unlike that man, you have a totally fresh start with God. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Yes, you do have a clean slate today. For his mercies are new every morning. But the trouble is, we often forget the kind of God we have, and we doubt or misunderstand his mercy. Though we may doubt God's forgiveness or make it conditional, he has forgiven us totally, once for all. The holy writer's point in the letter to the Hebrews is that Christ's sacrifice is infinitely better than those of the law. He offered his own blood for us, and it was not done again and again the way the high priest entered the most holy place each year. It was not done many times, but once for all. And it was done to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ has done away with sin, now, our text doesn't specify specific sins here, but we've all done them, to be sure. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. First of all, you may have sins of doubt. Does Satan so plague you with the memory of some past sins that you wonder if God has really forgiven you? Do you feel what you did was so horrible that even God can't forget it? Do you actually limit God and deny his mercy when he says to you to repeat, I, even I, who blots your sins and transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more? At times, we need to pray the prayer, O God, forgive me for the sin of coming back to you. 
and asking forgiveness for a sin you forgave and forgot a long time ago. In addition, our sins may be sins about thinking about God's grace conditionally. We may think God says, if you will do so and so, then I will forgive you. This if-then heresy is perpetuated by some television evangelists whose theology is absorbed by many people quite unthinkingly. I often feel we need a new magazine called Repent House. Scripture plainly teaches, not if-then, but because, therefore. We need to repent of our sin. And this is not to be a repentance like one former national leader who recently said, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'll never do it again. No, this is to be true repentance. We are to throw ourselves totally on the mercy of Christ. And because the atonement has been completed, because you have been forgiven by Christ's death on the cross, therefore you are to live as redeemed children of God. It's already done. That's the good news of our text in verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Not to bear sin. It has been done to bring salvation. But this is no cheap grace. No easy forgiveness. You don't just knowingly go on sinning, thinking that later you can lightly say, I'm sorry. No, this cost, cost the life of Christ. Christ was not offered for any sin of his own. He was wounded for our transgressions. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ will appear a second time for the salvation of those who are waiting for him. And so we live eschatologically, that is, knowing that the last times are approaching. Christ calls you to look for him each day and to look for him by faith, that faith first implanted in you in your baptism. He calls you to expect his second coming, and to prepare for his return, that you may be reunited with him. In Spain, a father and his teenage son were at odds with each other. The relationship became so strained that the son ran away from home. His father, though, began a cross-country journey in search of his rebellion son. Finally, in Madrid, in a last desperate attempt to find him, his father put an ad in the newspaper. Querido Paco, te espero en frente de la oficina del periódico a las doce de la tarde. Yo te he perdonado. Te amo, tu padre. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. 
All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. The next day, at noon, in front of the newspaper office, 800 Pacos showed up. (laughs) They were all seeking forgiveness and love from their fathers. Is your name Paco? Often, you and I run away from God's love. But our rebellion does not stop our father because it is his nature to seek and to save lost people. Here he is again in his holy word, calling to you, saying, your sins once for all have been forgiven. Jesus made us one with God. We have been often grappling with God and then running away from home by doubting him or putting conditions on his love. But listen to Jesus as he says to you again, Querido Paco, meet me in my word. I know the pain of your soul, for I have suffered body and soul for you. I know your desperate loneliness, for I was forsaken by my father for you. I know you, Paco, for I had you in my heart when I gave up my spirit on the cross. And I am watching over you. Yote aperdonado. All is forgiven. I have made atonement once for all for your sin. Te amo tu padre. I love you. Your father. What a wonderful savior we have. Amen.